Welcome back, everyone. It's episode 46 of Murphy's Law. This is Charles Murphy hanging out, as always, with Charles Villanueva. And this week, we're going to have a little bit of a different format, kind of a cool show we put together. Uh, but first, we're going to go ahead and hit all those huge news points um, that we that came up this week, which is, to say, not very much. Um, but as always, we got to check in and see how Charles is doing. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine. Nothing much has changed since our last conversation. Um, we have a very exciting topic not too long after this, so that sort of has been on my head since we since we did our last recording. But other than that, I'm fine. Trying to survive. So far, so good. Nothing's bad. Nothing bad's happening yet. Hopefully, nothing bad happens ever. But you know, we're here. Let's do it. All right. Yeah, we've um, we're doing okay here. We're kind of. Uh... It's a month or so in, and I think everyone's kind of fallen into a routine. Kids are kind of starting back up to school, getting them a little bit more stuff to do. So, um, but it's cold, it's windy, and uh, I wish the weather would cooperate a little bit because it would be much easier for everyone if we could be outside. Uh, but even just the other day, it snowed again, so that kind of sucked. The same day that everyone in the same day that everyone was in Michigan was protesting, um, not being able to go buy their garden supplies. It was snowing. So, yeah, I saw that, but I guess we could, it's, it's a perfect time to transition to the first topic, which in a way relates to what we're going through. Another major event has been canceled SDCC for the first time in 50 years. The show isn't happening this year. Um, obviously, you know, with everything that's going on there, I saw that Florida just opened the beach and as soon as it opened, everyone stormed the fucking the the beach like it was fucking Normandy. So I can't imagine what it's like if they ever if they fucking decided to continue STCC this year anyway. So, you know, bullet dodge there. But it's sad that we're not getting any sort of, you know, major announcements this year. But then again, nothing really is going on development wise. So I'm not quite sure what we could have gotten if it pushed through anyway. But what do you think about this major SDCC cancellation? Well, look, I'm, I'm 43 years old, and I still look forward to that weekend every, every year. Right? Like, that's one of the highlights of the whole year for me. Um, I know we were, we were doing a podcast last year, um, and I, I can remember how excited I was and explaining to everybody, all the listeners, how excited I was when I, when they made that blade announcement, like that just, that was such a, okay. a highlight for me. And that's still something I, I'm, I'm still excited about. So I'm, I'm going to miss it obviously, uh, because it's been something that I've looked forward to, um, for a while now. I, I don't even know 10 years or so that it, where it's really become like the big hub of all the movie announcements and stuff. Obviously when I was a kid, it wasn't the same thing as it is now, like hall H and, and the big, shows are such a big big deal um but on the on the flip side of that like you said with everything being postponed and canceled and shut down like what what would there even be to talk about what are they what are they going to show us they right now the best we could get at mm. at SDCC would be an eternals trailer they probably haven't shot enough of shang chi to make it anything they would have had doctor strange footage had everything been going on they would have had stuff from loki and you know maybe one of these other shows would have started so yeah it's not it wouldn't have been the same anyway for um for most of us i guess yeah i think like you it's, it's it is kind of disappointing that you know i can't even imagine how we're gonna get through this sort of quarantine in terms of news like i don't think i don't think anything's gonna drop casting news and whatnot because no one's casting no one's 
no one's fucking hiring anyone currently. In fact, they're firing everyone. So come July, I'm not sure what kind of news cycle we're going to have. We've, we've been so accustomed to having these, like you said, major announcements. SDCC has sort of become the sort of news hub for all the geeky, nerdy comic book stuff that we love. So it's going to be a drought. But on the other end of things, we know that Sam Raimi, at least, is attached for the Doctor Strange sequel. He confirmed it in an interview with ComingSoon.net. He was very... He, he was talking about how, you know, how back when he was making Spider-Man 2, he couldn't have imagined there being a Doctor Strange movie, yet here he is now going to direct the second one. And like you said, if, if, um, if they started filming, if they started production, they would have been... They would have had enough footage to show, to, to tease us. Com, comic Con, but we don't have that now. But, you know, what do you think about Sam Raimi finally confirming that he's on board for Doctor Strange 2? I mean, it's it's something we've talked about a lot, um, his, how excited we are about Raimi joining the, the MCU crew of directors. Um, it's great that he finally came out and said it. You, we've known, like, it's it's been confirmed and we've known about it. I know a lot of people were holding their breath on this one for whatever reason, even though he'd already started working with people and started and started going through things. But it's, um, I guess it's a relief for a lot of people. They, they feel like he was for some reason, like he was hedging around the, on the line there. And now we know that, uh, everyone can relax and, and rest easy cause he's in. And I think we talked about this, but <clears throat> what I continue to go back to all of these delays suck, but you know, like there's the, the whole idea out there that Shakespeare wrote King Lear during uh during the plague because he was quarantined at home. So you're giving a guy like <laughs> Raimi um extra time with this movie. So there's there's no no need for anything to be rushed now, right? Like he has I'm sure he has meetings just like all the other people. He's on Zoom meetings all the time and they're going through storyboards and talking about stuff. And all you're doing is giving a guy who's proven over and over again that he can make good films more time to come up with great ideas and and clever ideas, the way to shoot it, and what he wants to focus on, and it's just going to make it a stronger film in the in the long run. It's just a shame that that long run might take it, what it get moved a few months down the road, right? So, and and hopefully, um, hopefully they get to start shooting at some point this year, and 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 kind of get that put together. But I'm 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 happy with it. I think overall, like like I said, it's just going to give us a, a better product in the end. Yeah, I mean, we, we were supposed to talk about like a like sort of a Raimi retrospective a couple of weeks back, but we're gonna push it for another episode down the line. But yeah, we gotta fucking talk about our our love for Sam Raimi, his movies, obviously his Spider-Man work. But speaking of other directors, there was a rumor this week that Joss Whedon was circulating once more in the company. Um, he had, uh, I think, it was John Campy who said it that he met with. One of the, I think probably Kevin Feige or, or fucking Louis Desposito about possibly directing the Fantastic Four movie. I mean, who knows how serious this talk is. It could have been Whedon passing through the corridors one day and said, hey, Fantastic Four, keep me in mind. It could be something like that. It could be something more serious. But, you know, I want to know what you think about Whedon possibly returning after directing to Avengers movies. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing for me because the Russos have also directed two Avengers movies. And if you said, hey, bring the Russos back, I'd be like, yeah, I'm all for it. And when I hear bring Joss Whedon back, my response is like, no, let somebody else get a chance. Um, <laughs> you know, and 
and I love the original, the first Avengers movie. And we've talked a lot on here about how much more I like Age of Ultron now than I did before. Um, I I guess like for me, the sensibilities of the Russo brothers um, are a little bit more in line with with me and the way that I would put things on screen. Um, and I don't I we and everyone knows that the, the Fantastic Four movie is um, probably like the most important to me, the most important upcoming project in the MCU. And I just don't agree with a lot of the way that Whedon does things. I'm not a fan of, of a lot of, uh, I, and I, it's funny cause I've grown away from him when, when he was like, I used to love his shows and I used to enjoy him a lot more than I do now. But I think like the idea of him putting his touch on the fantastic four doesn't sit well with me. I would not be uh, in favor of that one. Well, comparing Whedon to the Russos, I mean, since Whedon did Ultron, he's had a, a bit of a couple of ups and downs. I mean, obviously, some of the controversies with his personal life and seeing the shit show with Justice League. So I, I can understand everyone's apprehension with him go, uh, returning to, to the MCU. On the, the Russos, on the other hand, have had a very, very clean track record. There's no fucking scandal or controversies plaguing their careers. Um, they're, they're, they're high off of their success with Infinity War and Endgame, so... Yeah, it's kind of a no-break. It's not a surprise that people are gravitating to the Russos more than with Whedon. Um, personally, I am also with you that I kind of want to see someone else. Um, I like the first Avengers movie, and you know we talked about this as you mentioned that Age of Ultron has aged pretty well compared to other MCU movies. In retrospect, the movie is actually pretty good. It sets up a lot of good stuff, but you know with the uh, with the Fantastic Four, yeah, I, I kind of want to see someone new. Uh, I, as even even though I like Peyton Reed, he had a pretty good pitch for the for the '60s Fantastic Four. I kind of want to see someone else other than Peyton Reed. I want to see someone who hasn't directed an MCU movie take the reins. I don't want to see another MCU movie a director rather taking on this film. I want to see someone fresh. So you know, maybe Whedon can check out some of the stuff they have planned. Maybe he could help the world building but that's as far as i'd go in you know letting him collaborate in my mind um and i I was looking through this this weekend trying to like trying to make a little short list of names just for myself um sue is such a to me sue's like the central character of the whole thing like you have to have she has to work well in order for the film to work well like she has to be um like your primary concern if in my case like you have to cast uh, your your strongest actor should be Sue. So as I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to think of like making sure that that that's the case. I'm trying to think of like a, a female director um, that could do some serious sci-fi work or do some serious adventure stuff. And so I went, I was like looking around and trying to refresh my memory on who some of those might be. But I think it's I think that's something like we've not heard at all. It's always been Peyton Reed this and uh, you know. Krasinski. Yeah, Krasinski. Like, I, I'm, I'm curious to see like, and I, you, who Marvel actually looks at and talks to, and what that list starts to look like when, uh, when it comes together. Because, and I, I would imagine um, you'll see some, some women on that list. Yeah, I mean, fucking get um, who's the, the director who did some of the Mandalorian? Um, Deborah Chow is gonna do. Yeah. Yeah, the Burchard was gonna do Obi Wan. Fucking get her. She has, I mean, at this point, she's fucking, she's got her hands on some pretty cool Star Wars stuff, and you know, she's 
she, uh, for the most part, her episode on the Mandalorian has been amazing. So I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be surprised if her name is in one of the, one of the in their box of fucking directors to to meet. I'm I'm pretty sure her name's there. Uh, moving on to another rumor this week, we got the tidbit that um, Captain Marvel two was is purported to set up the next status quo for the next Avengers film, be it an event or maybe a team change. As as a, as a big cosmic guy, what do you think about Captain Marvel two being the vehicle for you know the future for the MCU? Um, I think it's in line with what Feige said all along. It's not in any way surprising or shocking or or alarming like i know a lot of people have their opinions about about brie larson and have their opinions about the movie the movie was pretty ho-hum they're they're switching directions here and and getting a new team put together for the sequel in hopes of hope you know kind of sprucing it up a little bit but we've talked about that before like a lot of the first um origin films for these guys are not as exciting as as the sequels because they have to follow some of those steps to get the uh to tell the story um i'm trying like i'm trying to think like what would that mean what would what threat would she um encounter that she would need to form a team of avengers i'm kind of i'm kind of against it because it means that she's probably coming back to earth and i'd kind of hope that more of her adventures would take place uh in in the cosmos instead of on earth you know and um but, you know, maybe if she's coming back to Earth because there's a giant Skrull army or Kree army or some kind of crazy invasion going on, um, that'd be okay. I could I could see that. But I was kind of hoping they'd keep Carol's stories out in uh, in space for a while and, and not put her back on Earth. But I guess if that's what they're going to do, then that's okay. And um, it'll be interesting to see who the team is and, and who's still around because it seems like that's a, a quite a ways away yet, like the next Avengers film. So I, I guess it's interesting to... Uh, kind of think about who that might even be on that team. I'm kind of against the idea of a fucking another Avengers 5.1 kind of setup here. I, I, I want Carol to have the movie to herself and maybe share it with, at the, at the, at the most, Monica Rambeau, the two of them going to have their own adventure. I don't want to fucking see Spider-Man. So Spider-Man was sort of attached to this rumor that he might show up here. But, you know, again, that's... The first one was very ho-hum, and for the second film, you have the opportunity to really, you know, put Carol on the forefront and tell her, give a good story for her to to be in, and like similar to what they did to Winter Soldier for Cap, you know, you only got Black Widow with Nick Fury there, and Falcon, but, but that was it. So you don't need the full fucking Avengers ensemble there with with another. You know, with with more names to share on the marquee, just fucking keep it to Carol. As far as the event goes, yeah, Secret Invasion was kind of it's kind of a no-brainer. We talked about a couple of episodes ago during our comic book event sort of adaptation thing that you know the Secret Invasion we have in mind or you have in mind is not necessarily limited to the Skrulls, but to maybe involve the Kree and other sort of things to not to keep it fresh and not fall to the same you know shortcomings the comic had because the Secret Invasion comic was pretty kind of whack even though it, it, conceptually it was pretty amazing but execution wise it was pretty bad so I'm on board with that idea Secret Invasion but add the Kree and add the Skrulls in and you know keep it a, make it a huge fight on Earth that could 
could involve I guess I guess a lot of people but you know there's also that rumor a couple of weeks back that they're trying to look at Secret Invasion as a series that that's where I'm more receptive of the idea of you know bringing everyone in there put fucking Spider-Man put Doctor Strange in that setup but as far as Carol films go I want a solo story where she shines yeah and you know I've my uh I don't know when I even wrote it but I wrote a couple of those different pieces of what i'd like to see in uh in a sequel and the, the longer it goes in my head the one that i that i wish would be uh the route they chose would be to make like an, an alien homage movie where they introduced the brood i oh. would love to see like a... a movie like that and and that that in in the mcu would be a, a take a, a very different twist and and definitely veer from where the first captain marvel went um but i you know i feel like a movie like that would really flesh out Carol and give you a different a different look at her than what we got. And uh, you know, if you go this route of trying to make her the trampoline point for the next Avengers movie, um, it's a little bit you take away from her character too much. I think. Yeah, talking about the idea about the brood. I mean, we always go back to this. They should fucking do uh, an anthology series on Disney Plus. Where each episode is about something unique. It doesn't have to be like an hour long. It can be like a half an hour long. But you know, I'd, I'd fucking love to see a horror sort of take on, you know, the MCU. MCU meets Ridley Scott's Alien, and it can be even sort of if you're not gonna do the brood, you can even do like a scroll horror story where, you know, how in Alien, Ian Holm is a the android and no one fucking knew about it, and yeah. they all started freaking out when. They found out it was a fucking android. That could be sort of like the the thing where, you know, you're in a spaceship and one of you is a scroll and no one really knows and everyone's fucking freaking out. All right, so this next part, Charles and I are pretty excited about. Uh, we, we kind of hinted at this last week and it's been something that's been going around in our heads since we talked last week. Um, Charles and I put together a little idea here and we're going to be... Uh, interviewing several special guests during this segment. And the topic is putting together your X-Men team. So the idea here being you you have a core team of five um, and you have a sixth wildcard member. So the, the, the guidelines, I guess, here for this team would sound like this. You have to have a leader. You have to have a brawl. Yeah. You have to have... Yeah sort of transportation so that can be someone who can teleport or it could be someone who's uh you know can is an especially good pilot flying something around um you have to have one flyer and you have to have one telepath um so you have to you have Mm -hmm. to people in those slots and then we left open um a sixth wild card where you could add any kind of uh x-men any kind of mutant to your to your squad um we've got no limitations on they can be good guys they could be bad guys doesn't matter we're just trying to put together uh our favorite sort of x-men team um it may be maybe even a little bit of a competition we even explored at one point trying to put together like a fantasy draft situation uh but it seemed like it was too hard to get everybody on board so this is uh this is pretty cool we're pretty excited about it and like i said we're gonna have uh, a handful of other people uh, join us here in this segment and and kind of rattle off who they would put on their team if they had to make one powerhouse X-Man team. Regarding with the categories, 
on my list, I sort of I went extra nerdy with it, Dungeons and Dragons style, like an RPG kind of game. So I have my categories listed as field leader, mobility slash transport, flyer, bruiser, telepath, and I, I added an extra one. It's not really an extra one, but I added like a sort of category that sort of projectile slash elemental. So you got characters like I don't know, like Sunspot, Iceman, sort of basically the the the, the mutant that can deal the most sort of damage and the, the with their sort of widest range, biggest impact sort of thing. So how do you want to do this? You want to start each one first. You want to start with um, each of our field leaders. Yeah, let's do that. We can uh, we'll have a little back and forth. Okay, so you start. I want to hear yours first. <laughs> this will be the one that I think, like, no one will be surprised who my field leader will be. Uh, my field leader has got to be Cyclops. He is by far my favorite X-Man. Um, he, when I was a kid, I, I loved the idea. Um, for whatever reason, his powers, like, really appealed to me. He just seemed so cool. Uh, and then as I've gotten older and, and understood him more and, and like, really dug into who he was he's such a flawed and just such a he's a great human being really like he's just a a great study in humanity he's so flawed he's so messed up um such a just a complete disaster of a human being but he manages to pull it together and Hmm. and people to do things that they don't think they could do which is what being a leader is all about so and uh he's not afraid not afraid to make tough choices and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty so yeah definitely cyclops for me well my pick i think is i think it's going to raise a couple of eyebrows because it it sort of coincides with the stuff we've been talking about we talked about x-men comics a couple of episodes ago and last night we were just talking about this um and i'm about to dive into reading it um so my pick for the field leader is actually fucking jamie madrox nice because I find the idea of a dude who can sort of fucking duplicate himself. He, you know, you can have, with my team, I have six people, but with Madrox, you, 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 it's, it's as good as having 56 people because he can fucking make as, 50, as much as 50 of himself. But I kind of like the idea that each of his dupes sort of have their own, you know, skill set throughout the years. And anytime he reabsorbs a duplicate, he gets that skill. So, you know, I've I've been I've been I've I've started reading Peter David's um, Marvel Knights Madrox story, which is sort of the precursor to X Factor Investigations. And the very first issue, a fucking a fucking monk shows up, a bald monk with fucking Liu Kang fighting ability shows up, and you know Madrox just absorbs his skill. So I can't imagine the kinds of abilities Madrox has. So you know, I'd fucking love to see him in in the, the actual field. Contr- trying to order everyone together, trying to get everyone together. And, you know, he got his fucking weird-ass powers to help the team out in case things get too fucking crazy. And, yeah, my pick is Jamie Madrox. It's fabulous. He's um, he's one of the cooler X-Men characters and such a weird ability. But, yeah, I absolutely love Madrox. Yeah. So I think up next is you want to go with uh, transport slash mobility. Yeah, this is the one where I had a I had a coin flip here. Okay, so who do you have? Who do you end up uh, picking with that coin flip? So my my coin flip was uh, I had to pick between magic um, to teleport 
or Phantom X to fly around everyone in his little in in Eva or Eva. Um, and I when I came down to it, I was trying to think of like what else. Obviously, their their main their main priority is to teleport or to transport. But what else do you get with them? And I had a really hard time getting rid of Phantom X because of that ability he has to cast illusions and, and that kind of uh, strange notion that he that he can make people see what's not there. Um, but ultimately, in my coin flip, I went with Magic, uh, yeah. who definitely has like uh, a dark side to her. Um, but for whatever reason, I, I might have just been in a dark place. Like I ended up choosing a lot of people on my team who wouldn't be afraid to chop somebody's head off uh, or, or do something terrible in order to get out of a, a tight situation. So I may have gone against like the, the original X-Men idea, but yeah, I ended up, I ended up taking magic um, because of her really because of the other things that go with her, right? Like Phantom X would yeah. kill somebody too. Um, but you get a lot in, in the, uh, in the package when you get magic. Yeah. And magic in many ways is your sort of projector slash elemental type character where, you know, she can do a lot of fucking shit that, you know that none of, at least on my end, I, I, I don't know how how it is on your end, but a lot of things that a lot of mutants can't do. And like I said, she's the sort of a package deal. She's got that fucking sorcery in addition to f- being able to like transport people. So that makes sense for me for my mobility transport. I picked uh, Kurt Nightcrawler because I fucking love his character. I love his stint in. Um, that that brief intro in the X Men movie, you know, seeing that just sort of you know solidified my love for the character and what he can do on the, in a battlefield. But you know, I I also like the idea of having sort of the I guess the moral core of the team, or the moral center of the team. You know, my my pick of X Men are ranged from being bastards to. To, to a character that that has a fucking totally questionable morality, so I definitely picked Kurt for his his power to you know to bring people around. Let's say they're infiltrating a base, you know, we got Kurt who's sort of helping everyone out to get, get through the other levels and whatnot. So I have that, and also like he's a he's a straight up dude. He's not gonna fucking he's the guy who's gonna stop the team from killing someone. So I need that on my team. I I need that sort of savior teaching of not harming humans on my team. So I, I pick Kurt for my mobility, transport, slash stealth. So in case things need, in case a mission needs to get stealthy, I, I got Kurt for that. It, it, this was, um, <clears throat> I don't know if this was hard for you to do or not, but it ended up being really hard for me um, because I was, you know, not picking like my favorite looking characters or like the ones who like, I, I love Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler as a kid caught my attention so fast just because of his, his look. Right. And then yeah. you find out what powers are and then you get this great backstory. So it was hard for me to go through this. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard because, you know, I, I, I went extra nerdy with it and tried to pick the characters, you know, I could, you know, you could easily pick, you know, all the fucking Omega mutants and make a team, but I wanted to go. That was at least plausible. Um, like I wanted to add someone like Vulcan on my team, but not as a leader. But I was thinking, yeah, fucking Gabriel Summers isn't gonna fucking work with anyone. Who who he thinks this Bill Bill I I sort of added that to my my own criteria, but you know, I think I think he'd be surprised with with other people on my list. But um, moving on, you want to do sort of a fly the flyers or the bruisers because I sort of combined mine. 
I got a, I got a flyer who was also sort of a tank bruiser. Yeah, I I uh, my my two my flyer and my bruiser. I, I have two different ones, but um, it's they're pretty interesting picks for why I put them on there. Um, and I was thinking about the team dynamic as I did it. So which one should we go with first? Uh, I, I guess I could go first. Um, since mine was sort of an, an amalgamation of the two, I picked Rogue because with Rogue, with her power set, she's kind of, you know, you've got the flying ability, you've got the, the superhuman strength ability. So you kind of have that covered so she can be a tank for everyone and she can fucking fly. She can... She can carol Danvers a fucking ship like like what we saw in Endgame, and you know everything would be fine. But also, you got her, you know, her mimic abilities where you know if things get really fucking tough, she can maybe get um, Jimmy Mandrox's power, and she can fucking duplicate. And you know everyone's everyone's fucked now. So I, I kind of got that, and you know I decided just to combine the two flyer and bruiser. I had a feeling you were gonna p- put Rogue on your team. So she was my flyer um, for sure. And, and the biggest reason being what you said that, and I, as I like, that was the, that was the place where I went last. I did that last and I did it after I had put together the rest of my team, knowing that she could, um, I could have her flying around and shooting Cyclops beams out of her eyes if I needed to. Right. Like that's, that was why I picked her. Um, and the one who I came, who was kind of like right behind, um, in in that same sense was Monet. Uh, I, I had her like uh, on my list of of people to have in my flyer category too. Okay, so what about your bruiser? My bruiser is Rogue, and she's also my flyer. But who's your bruiser? So my my bruiser is Namor. And that was an easy pick for me. <laughs> really? So he's your fucking tank? Yeah, I I, I can't like he can stand toe to toe with the Hulk. And I, I know like a lot of people at one, I'm, I'm interested to see where people go with this. A lot of people are going to want to pick Wolverine or Colossus. Um, but that was actually a pretty easy pick for me, especially because Scott was my leader. And I think in all of the, in all of the reading I've ever done, Scott was one of the only X-Men that could, would able to, was able to get Namor to cooperate with him. Um, he, he actually, yeah. he had a rapport with Namor. Um, but yeah, I would, I would send Namor up against anything. He could rip a Sentinel's head off. Um, he could knock the juggernaut on his ass. Probably he's, uh, he was, that was a pretty easy pick for me to put Namor there. Speaking of juggernaut, he was sort of my second pick for, for my bruiser in case my idea didn't pan out. I like the idea, even though juggernaut is not technically a mutant, he's in many ways mutant adjacent. So at this point he might as well be part of the fucking mutant family. So I almost picked juggernaut, but you know, rogue eventually won out that, that, that dilemma. Um, next up, let's do telepath. Who do you have for your mind read or your mind sort of your, your, your psionic expert? Who do you have? So I went way off board with this one. I don't even know that a lot of people know who the character is, um, but he came back recently in the, in Hickman's books. So I picked Exodus as my telepath. Whoa. Okay. Because in addition to being a telepath, he's pretty much one of the most powerful mutants on the planet and capable of doing so much damage. Um, and so, yeah, he's got a little bit of a, a bad side to him. He's never been a hero, um, but he is a super powerful telepath and super powerful in, in several other aspects. So I put him on that, on the team, um, given that, like that full range of all the different stuff he could do. 
so mine is pretty grounded. Like as I said, I factored in the plausibility of you know this team up actually happening. So as much as possible, I didn't. I don't want to try to add very very prominent figureheads of the mutant community here. So for my telepath, um, I picked Danny Moonstar for Mirage. She's not necessarily one that can read minds, but rather manipulate them, similar to what um your pick for Phantom X, who's who's sort of the um. You know, she, she she can fucking make illusions, and when things get fucking crazy, she's there to give everyone a breather by making everyone believe they're being chased by a fucking demonic bear. <laughs> Danny Moonstar, and I, 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 I Google what she looked like now because I haven't checked out what she, she's been up to since since her early days. So, and, I, and she fucking looks badass. She looks like a fucking Asgardian. She looks, she has that cool ass armor, and you know, she's got the the Native American sort of theme to her, and it's fucking badass. And I wanted another badass female character like Moonstar on my team. Yeah, she ended up for a while. She was a Valkyrie. Um, that oh. that's, uh, I don't remember where that happened, but she became a Valkyrie. Yeah, that was. She's she is a great character. That's um, definitely one that she she's been through a lot, right? She lost her powers and had all these different crazy things happen to her. But she's she's great, and she's another one that I think is probably. Not as well known as as uh as some of these other people. So what do we have? Do we have like five now, or do you have your five now listed? Yeah, I, I, so I did. Yeah. So, so I, I have one. I have I have two more. Um, like I said, I added sort of another category under like projectile slash elemental. My pick for this was Boom Boom. I fucking I just read um Next Wave Agents of Hate. And I was so surprised how fucking badass Tabitha Smith is in in um in that comic. She's fucking powerful. She's a she's a fucking rock star. And I like how people make fun of her. I, I like how in the comic they make fun of her for being dumb, but she sort of makes up for it by being a a total badass on the field. And I like her power set. And if I'm not mistaken, she sort of comes back to the forefront in one of the Hickman books. Is that correct? Yeah, she's in New Mutants um, quite a bit. Yeah, so I gotta, I gotta check that out. I wanna see what, what, what her next adventure is. But yeah, boom, boom for me. I want someone who can fucking blow up shit with ease. I, wanna, I want someone who can destroy something when need be. That's an that's a off-the-wall pick for sure. So I guess we're down to our wild card, which is, you know, we talked about it last night. I was like, who? Who's 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 a wild card? You were like anyone from Beast to to fucking anyone else. But uh, you want to start with yours, or you want to want to hear mine? What do you think? I want to hear yours. Okay, so my wild card is, and this is this is kind of a tricky pick for me because, like I said, I'm very nerdy with this. I'm kind of I'm trying to think of a character who would actually work, and you know, as a counterpart to Nightcrawler's very mortal fiber. I picked the character with, with like probably with zero morality morality to him. I picked Sabretooth. I picked someone that, you know, when shit needed to be done, when they wanted to fucking throw a time bomb on the, on the fucking field, they could fucking put Victor Creed in there and start murdering people. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, if you fucking put Sabretooth on the team, then shit's gonna go down pretty fast and pretty bad for everyone. But... You know, since he's a bad guy in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, they could fucking leave him to die when they need it, when they need it, because he's a fucking piece of shit. But yeah, I, I, I need, I want that character sort of, you know, to 
to like you said wild card he's a very unexpected pick let's say you're in a battlefield and you're you're up against Sabretooth you're kind of fucked you you probably can't do much to to survive against Sabretooth so my pick is Sabretooth what about yours so I had a I had a hard time here with the wild card which I put the wild card in because I wanted to include this character um, who and the, both these and then as I started going I was like man why well, what about this one so both of these characters that I had to choose between are people we talked about last week. Um, and I had I had a hard time picking between Cypher and Sage for my wild card. Um, but I, and I started thinking like, OK, if I only have one of those people along with me on a mission, um, I decided I would take Cypher as my wild card, just given all the the possibilities of the things he could unlock and the things he could do, um, given how expansive his powers have become. Um, I would put him in my as, in my wild card spot. I mean, it's a fucking um, pre-swell team. So let's look at what we have. For my team, I have Jimmy Madrox as my field leader, Nightcrawler as my transporter, Rogue as my flyer and tank, Mirage as my telepath, Boom Boom as my um, projectile slash elemental, and Sabretooth as my wild card. That's that's a sick team. And mine, uh, mine overall is Cyclops as my field leader. Um, my magic as my transportation uh, teleporter, Rogue as my flyer, Namor as my uh, bruiser, um, Exodus as my telepath, and Cypher, Doug Ramsey, Cypher as my wild card. I mean, with the exception of Cypher, you got like a pretty fucking Omega-esque level team there. I can't imagine... Yeah, that's a powerhouse team. I can't imagine which villain would be able to stand against that fucking team. Yeah, it would be. It would be a. It would be definitely a. I, I, as we were talking about it, I felt like mine was like more like a, an X Force type team, like a like a one time mission to go stop Apocalypse or something, right? Like that would be a team you would you put together for something like that. But yeah, I mean, fucking great picks. I can't wait to hear what uh, our guests have to say. So. You want to get through that so we can hear, um, we can introduce some of the special guests we have? Yeah, we'll, um, we'll have a, a, a pretty cool little segment now where each of our guests is going to hop on and, and give us their idea of the teams. Um, so we're going to run through here and, and see who, who, uh, who else we get added to and, and what other kind of off-the-wall picks we get. So uh, first up, we have our old friend Caleb from MCU Exchange. And we, we worked together, the three of us worked over there um, quite a few years ago, and we've stayed in touch. Caleb has uh, his own podcast. Um, do you want to talk about that real quick? Tell people where they can find you. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, we're Marvel News Desk, uh, marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, we're on you know Spotify and Apple and all the other places you can find podcasts. We just finished our 150th episode a little while ago, so... Uh, but yeah. Thanks. Yeah, we do talk about Marvel TVs and movies, or right now we talk about coronavirus and uh, fears about rat populations overtaking New York or whatever. We can, we're a little off topic lately. So yeah, it's been tough. All right, so uh, let's get it started. I think what Charles and I did was kind of go um, slot by slot and then have a little discussion about it. So uh, let's yeah. let's go ahead, Caleb. Start us off with your field leader. Yeah, so my field leader is Wolverine because you have to have Wolverine and X Men team for me, and um, 
it always bothers me that uh, Wolverine never gets credit as like a tactician or a, like a leader. I think it's kind of changed maybe recently in the comics, but like uh, people always talk about like, Hey, Cyclops should be the leader. And I'm like, no, Cyclops has got, he's <laughs> Wolverine has forgotten more about combat than Cyclops has ever experienced. Like if you've got a guy who's literally fought in every major war since the civil war, he should be the guy in charge of your team. He should be the one making the critical decisions. So uh, I kind I always like the idea of Wolverine in leadership. I think it's interesting to have somebody that's gone through as much as he's gone through because he's just got you know it's just the experience factor that would make uh, makes him a good uh, leader for his bunch. Yeah, I mean now that you're mentioning it, I'm kind of some thinking of what X Men stories there are where Wolverine really gets to shine as a leader as opposed to you know being. Scott's second man. I can't think of anything off the top of my hand because, you know, when you think of X-Men, we think of all the major X-Men stories of the past 15, 20 years. Scott has been usually in the forefront, so I don't know. I can't even think of um, a story where Wolverine gets to shine as a, not as a solo ca- character, but as an actual leader. That's what X-Force is for. Was he, was he the leader in X-Force in, the, in Rick Remender's run? Yeah, and the, in the, in the, in the one before that, too. He was the leader like scott went to him and said hey i need you to put together a team to go out and kill a bunch of people yeah but at the same time scott was sort of the guy they answered to so yeah no he <laughs> like he was definitely he was but scott never went to the field with him so if you're talking about like him going out leading missions it was wolverine right, right. field guy yeah yeah i just right, so think we if you have back. someone okay i just if you've got someone with the experience of like ulysses s grant and dwight d eisenhower <laughs> and somebody from Vietnam, like all together, like you would use them. Yeah. I should, I would think. Uh, next up, I want to do either your your teleporter or your your mode of transport guy. Yeah, so I'm with I'm with Charles on this. I would have Nightcrawler. Uh, I mean, I, I have to warn you, the beginning of my team is very boring because <laughs> there's just classic characters I love, and for me, it's the the Wolverine Nightcrawler relationship. Like I think Hickman did a really excellent job in House of X to show how Wolverine and Nightcrawler uh, work with each other and their relationship. And so I want Nightcrawler. I also like somebody that's got the acrobatic ability and the um, kind of hand-to-hand abilities of Nightcrawler. I also think for a team, uh, you know, different comics do this differently. I'm always interested in like religious uh, comic characters. And so the idea that Nightcrawler is also almost like your uh, chaplain of the group, that he can like deal with people's personal and emotional problems yeah. and help them with it. I, I like Nightcrawler in for all of those reasons. actually brought up the idea of that. When I picked my members of the team, I went extra nerdy and actually went with I, I, the, the most plausible choices, like the kinds of people who could actually maybe work together in a story. And yeah, I, I, I mentioned that Nightcrawler was there because he was sort of my my ideal moral center of the team. I mean, I've got fucking Sabretooth in the team who's like willing to murder anyone in his way. And you got Nightcrawler who's, like you said, he's a chaplain. He's sort of the heart of the team. Yeah, and I think we're, we, we, went this, we went for the same route there and for, for picking the, the nice guy for our team. And, and I think like <clears throat> the Wolverine and Nightcrawler relationship is by far one of the best ongoing buddy buddy relationships in comics right like it's it's such a 
interesting the personalities of the two of them you wouldn't think that they'd get along and in fact that's like they're each other's best friend and i and i've always loved that relationship going back to when i was a kid reading uh comics you know the uncanny x-men comics it's always been there and it's still there now like you said with hickman and it's uh it's a great long long-term relationship that those two guys have and um it's been through you know nightcrawlers died wolverines died they have all died and they've all come back around and it's been through so many twists and turns, but it's awesome. Yeah. So for my bruiser, um, I'm going to kind of keep this theme. I'll take Colossus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he to me is the third kind of part of like those relationships. Cause Colossus and, and Nightcrawler, I think have always been close. Right. I enjoy Colossus as a bruiser because not only is he big and strong, but he also has the protection element that if you're getting certain kind of, you know, gunfire or whatever that, you know, metal skin can uh, be protective for other people. And uh, I really love the whole giant size X-Men team that had that international bunch like that. To me, the X-Men is that giant size team. And so yeah. early on here, I, you know, I keep that going. I'd like Colossus. Plus he can throw Wolverine. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, uh, Colossus, Wolverine, and Crawler, you got the trifecta of being best friends. They all have sort of weird relationships with, with each other. And, yeah, you got the fastball special automatically with Wolverine and Colossus on the team. Um, I was going to ask, um, does, can Colossus give people, like, the metal skin as well? Can he give other people? Can he co- cover other people in it? Is that a new thing? Because I feel like I read uh, that at some point. Yeah, it's weird. I feel like I've also read that, but I'm not quite sure. I mean, Caleb mentioned him being sort of like the, the shield for everyone. but Right. You also you could also do the uh, the Juggernaut Colossus after Fear Itself, right? You could. Yeah. Um, up next, how about, what do, what do we got left? You got your flyer and your, yeah, so let's do your flyer. Yeah. Who's your aerial specialist? So it actually keeps the theme going, but I hope it's a little more offbeat. My flyer is going to be Banshee, and mostly because I love Generation X. Like, that was the comic that got me into comic books. And Sean was, he had this leadership capability in that book, and he had this experience. And I always enjoyed the way that he was written in that. And so he's just, he's my favorite. Like, I have toys on my shelf at my work and my only X-Men toy up I, I have up there is the old Banshee that you could like blow into his back <laughs> and it like made a whistle noise. And so cool, uh, cool. I just have a soft spot for Banshee. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first, uh, first time anybody in it. And so far has brought up Banshee who is, um, you know, pretty, a pretty classic X-Man and, and a pretty interesting character. Um, I don't know how many, how many people kept reading his, a, a daughter who has kind of uh, similar powers to him. Um, and he's been, man, he's been through a lot in the comics, but he's, he's definitely a, an old classic X-Men character. Is he yeah, was a zombie for a while? Is that right? Mm-hmm. I, I know him from when he died in Deadly Genesis. That's like my only maybe in, not even in depth, like my only encounter with Banshee in any of the, the modern X-Men comics. Where he would have, where Vulcan just like kills him while he's on a plane. Yeah, and you'll you'll start getting um, since you're going to start reading X Factor. His daughter plays a huge role in that comic, and they give some story, mm-hmm. um, some backstory, and some uh, flashbacks, and you get a little bit more Banshee in there. But that's yeah, he's he hasn't been um, 
a super popular character in the last probably 20 years. All right, so that brings us to your your powerful telepath. Yeah, so this may be cheating. You can tell me if this counts. I want to take Chamber. Oh. He is he's telepathic, but only one way telepathic, right? Like he can speak into other people's minds, but he can't read other people's minds, right? Yeah, that's fine. It's perfectly fine. But something mind related. Yeah, to me, it's a strength of Chamber because telepaths cause trouble to me, particularly if I was writing a book. Uh, the guys over at Weekly Planet have have told this constant joke about like making Professor X like pulled out of the picture in the X Men movies, because when you have a telepath as strong as Professor X, he should be able to fix everything immediately, just by reaching into people's minds and stopping them. Right. And so I like the idea of a telepath that has some ability, but also can't you know just do whatever they want or stop whatever they want. And so I love Chamber, again, Generation X guy. I think the visuals of that character are so fun. And the implications, like, what's really going on? How does somebody live without, like, lungs and, and organs and just, you know, is psionic fire? It also adds a lot of um, power. You know, early on with Wolverine and Night Nightcrawler, you have fighters, but you don't have really a powerhouse. And so using yeah. my telepath spot for somebody that can you know, blow some stuff up is uh, exciting. I I didn't even know like uh, that um, stories more had what we call this, like telepathic abilities. I only know him for having no mouth, no chest with the, with the, with his uh, energy thing in his, in his, in his face. But yeah, today I learned that uh, chamber has telepathic powers. That was, yeah. And like I said, it's, it's outgoing, but not ingoing. Like, that's the only way he can speak because there's obviously no mouth to make noise. So his only speech is putting thoughts in people's heads. And apparently he can also, I did a little research, he can make people see things that aren't there, but he can't target it. So he can send a hallucination to everyone in the room, but not one person in the room. Yeah, I mean, Charles almost um, Phantom X just for his his illusion abilities alone. Yeah, when I did my wild card, I uh, I wanted I had a, a coin toss between uh, Phantom X and Cipher, so I, I went with Cipher just because I figured no one else is going to pick him, and he's just become like over the past couple I don't know five or six weeks, whatever this been all the reading I've done, he's become one of my favorites. Um, but Phantom X is is the same thing, right? He can that ability he can he has to make people see what's not there, and just how many times when you do something like that, you can escape a situation because. They, you're misdirecting them is uh, was was definitely a consideration. All right, so that leaves us. Caleb's got his. He's down to his last pick, his wild card. Um, I'm interested to see what direction he went with this. Yeah, so I am very aware that thus far my X Men team is the white dude team, which <laughs> I don't love, but is you know I, I went with my heart of the the characters that I love and resonated with me, but I wanted to somehow remedy that. So my wild card, I want to be somebody really unusual, and I'm going to go with Dust. She's a character that I don't think gets lots of love. I've enjoyed seeing her in Champions, actually, lately, in the comics. I think what's really interesting about that character is that it's one of those powers that sounds a little lame, like, oh, it's a Sandman knockoff. 
until you start thinking about what you could actually do if you could control like microscopic sand, whether it's electronics, like you come into some place that's you know locked down and you could just use sand like a sandboard against the insides of microchips to open up doors, get into places, the surveillance yeah. ability of getting through even little tiny cracks. You, like seeping your body through, you know, a particle of sand at a time. And then the terror, terrible things that they have done in the comics where she just sands people's skin and bone, you know, skin and muscle off their bones. It's actually, to me, it's like Ant-Man. Ant-Man is one of those characters that if they let it go really dark, Ant-Man could be terrible. Shrinking down to the size that he could go inside someone's skull and just start like ripping their brain to shreds. There's so many cool things you could do with dust if you just let it go to a kind of scary place. Well, and dust so to me, it's a good wild card. Dust is one of the very few characters that's ever laid out my telepath, Exodus, who's one of the more powerful mutants on the planet, and she liquefied his organs. She went inside of them and just tore them oh. apart. Caleb, as far as your, your, your logic into picking these characters go, like, do you have any sort of... Um honorable mentions that almost made your team yeah so i have a hard time leaving out gene gray in part because i'm always you know i ship wolverine and, and gene if that's right. the way to put it so i like seeing them together uh i really enjoyed like the age of apocalypse deal where you had a version of wolverine and gene that had been together and been partners for a long time so yeah. there's part of me that kind of likes to see that if, if you can't tell yet, I really hate Cyclops. And um, so she was uh, on the consideration. I also thought a little bit about Blink because I just find the visuals of Blink are really good. It's the one thing I liked about the um, uh, that bad X-Men show that was on Fox. Mm -hmm. I thought they did Blink visually really interestingly. And so I like that character. And I also I was a big fan. I was really into X-Men during like the Joe Maderera days, if that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. And so I have soft spots for Marrow and Maggot, even though they are kind of useless <laughs> characters. There's still like something about that era that uh, that really I love. And then my all-time favorite X-Men character, who I never can add because he's totally useless, is Skin. When I first got into comic books, Angelo Esposito was my favorite. And the way he slowly went from like droopy skin to learning how to control it, I always thought he was Mr. Fantastic, but more interesting. Yeah, I remember skin from, because my dad used to collect a fuck ton of wizard comics, and I remember when, it was, was that Generation X or Mutant X, where, that, where they actually had some of the, some of the uh, Generation X characters. Seeing Skin there was so mind-blowing to me. Like, I didn't understand what he did or, or why he even existed. But just the visuals of him, like this gray dude with a, with a stretchy face that, like you said, in many ways, like, is similar to Mr. Fantastic, was, was super, super interesting to me. Yeah, and Bacalo did... Um... Uh, did such a good. I used to love the way he drew that comic, and so you know his detail, the way that he would just have the skin wrapped all over the place. It was kind of gross but cool. Have you guys ever watched the Generation X TV movie that Fox made? Uh, no, but I. It's funny because I just saw it the other day when I was kind of 
reading around and, and digging through some stuff on Generation X, and it brought it up that because um, I think I was I was reading about Monet, and I think that she was in that movie, right? I believe so. So they definitely had Banshee and White Queen, and I think M was in it, and uh, Jubilee is in it. Uh, do they have Sync? Maybe can't remember the lineup exactly. Um, it's really bad, but it was like, it was a dream come true in, you know, 1999 or whenever it came out that they tried to like pilot a, a TV show. And so it's, it's, it's worth a, a try just to see how goofy and bad it is. <laughs> I think it's on YouTube at this point. I gotta check that out. Generation X TV. Oh shit, it's here. TV movie. <laughs> Charles is already on it. <laughs> Man, just the thumbnail alone is like says a lot on what what this this is. It kind of looks like a like a like a Power Rangers reject. <laughs> yeah, it's it's during that era when they thought good cinematography was like, what if we did some purple and pink lights in the background? Because that's <laughs> what life feels like is when you have pink neon lights all around you all the time. <laughs> Go back through, Caleb. List your team off all together for us one time. Yeah, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Banshee, Chamber, and and Dust. A pretty, a pretty fucking solid team. You got a lot of fucking uh, bruisers and heavy hitters that, that can punch the the living fuck out of you. But I mean, <laughs> you having to sort of just change changes the whole dynamic with regards to quote unquote firepower. Like you said, Dust has the ability to pretty much infiltrate any structure or living organism out there. So, yeah, once you have dust on your team, your team's pretty unstoppable at this point. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good inclusion as a wild card. Up next, we have Jim Viscardi from comicbook.com. So, Jim, uh, if you can, tell us, tell everybody about yourself and where they could find you on Twitter. Cool. Uh, I run uh, comicbook.com, a website on the internet about all your favorite superhero stuffs. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Jim Viscardi. Uh, and I, I, when I saw you put the call out for this, I was, I'm very excited about it. So I'm, I'm ready to get in. That's awesome. Yeah, we're happy, we're happy to have you for sure. Charles and I have been eagerly awaiting, getting a chance to talk to you and pick your brain on this. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's jump right into it. So we'll go, we'll go our off top with your field leader. Who did you choose to lead your team in the battle? Maverick. Oh, uh, Yeah. Maverick is he's I mean look he's he is someone who has been is has been a team leader before someone that some of the uh, strongest and most dangerous mutants look up to with a a sense of respect and I think if you're going to not that Wolverine is on my team but if you're going to have someone who is going to 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 butt heads uh, or potentially butt heads with someone Maverick can easily go toe to toe with them because uh, he knows how to get the job done. Dude has had a, a, a tremendously interesting run in, in the X-Books, and to me is always completely underutilized. Whenever he shows up, he's, he's usually in good hands. I think you know, Karen Gillum uh, has used him um, a bit here and there, uh, but he is someone... Like, and, and, and let's be fair, like we're talking about X-Men, and uh, you know, not only does he have super cool powers but i mean dude's got a badass costume so can't go wrong with maverick no and i think he's one you're right he's he's definitely underused and i think for for people who are listening who aren't uh 
maybe haven't read a ton of comic books, he would have been on screen in the or X-Men Origins Wolverine as Agent Zero, right? That would have been... Yep. They, they'd have found <laughs> him, but his, his death... And that, that character, the characterization in the film is not really... Uh, on par with with the character in the comics, as is the case with almost everybody in that film. Well, unfortunately, that's how I came to know the character <laughs> from that fucking yeah. um, uh, shit show of a movie. But yeah, I mean, fucking Agent Zero Maverick, he's got a very cool set of powers. He's obviously, in many ways, you know, he's not only just a field leader, but he's, you know, not just tactically, but He's got a pretty fucking power mm-hmm. set that could... To me, he's always kind of been a cooler gambit uh, in the sense where, you know, he doesn't... He can't necessarily, you know, throw kinetically charged uh, things, um, but he he basically, he absorbs a ton of stuff. So if he falls or, you know, laser blasts or whatever, like, he can he can absorb all of that uh, and, and use it, um, you know, in, in, in a number of ways. Uh, and you know, it's, it's cool too. Cause he's got this other thing it, and it's weird. I remember reading, I remember reading about this and it's like a weird power, but he can like sec- kind of secrete acid, I think from his fingertips. Um, and it's, uh, it's weird. Like he, the dude's got a weird history and I like when he got the legacy virus, I was just, oh. dist- I was destroyed took everything away from him <laughs> everything <laughs> but i think you know out outside of all that like you know with the stuff that the stuff that he's got um i still think he makes a a great team leader because he is even you know where he's currently where he's currently at and what this is what i want to see right like if you're reading x-men stuff now like i want to see maverick back on krakoa like with his powers because you know you know it can happen it's bound to happen, but even still, like right now with with what he's got going on, I, I still think he's a he would make a phenomenal team leader. And I think your your point of him like having his power stripped away, um, he still did quite a bit of work. Yeah, uh, you know, quite a bit of work, even even depowered. So he he is like a really good choice for a team leader. I agree. All right, so I want to jump on to uh, the next one. We want your mobility expert, either your teleporter or your transportation uh person there who'd you pick for that role so i mean this one this one's kind of i feel like i'm i'm cheating because he is incredibly popular but uh based off the team i put together nightcrawler makes the most sense for my team i think as i as i fill out like as as we go through the rest of my team like you're gonna see like just kind of the the with the exception of with, with the exception of maybe one nightcrawler makes the most sense um Obviously, given, you know, we, we all know what Nightcrawler can do. We all know what he's capable of. We all know uh, when under pressure, uh, you know, the dude just rises up, um, uh, rises up. And that's that's kind of the, the theme I've got a little bit here is really it's uh, most of my uh, team members are all people who are, when pushed, really show up. Um, and, I mean, Nightcrawler is one who uh, exemplifies that. That's a and what more can you say about Nightcrawler that may not have already not been said? I mean, dude, just freaking cool. <laughs> and he's like, and he's someone that like you would want to go out and have a beer with. Yeah, you know, and and I think his his relatability and his uh, and I'll let Charles speak to it, but Charles put him on his team for for the a couple of those reasons, and I think Caleb had him. Another guy we interviewed earlier, Caleb had him um, for 
different reasons, but as, you know, the same kind of thing, like how did he tie the team together? How, what, what other things could he do other than just teleport people from place to place? I mean, like I mentioned this, you know, in all, in all the times I mentioned it, that um, Mike Crawler is a very stand-up guy, and he's the guy you kind of want to hold the team together more than anyone in the X-Men. He's, he's got a kind heart. He's not gonna, he's not a fucking dick at all. And like, like, like Jim said, he's the kind of guy that you want to have a beer with, and he's the kind of guy that you'd want to bail you out when shit gets fucking crazy. He's, he's definitely the glue of a lot of those teams. Um, all right, so next up, who, who did you end up settling on for your bruiser? I know we, you said you might have a, a change of heart there, so I'm curious to see where you went. So you said that I, can, I would be able to include villains, um, yeah. and I would be remiss, and I, it would, and I would lose uh, all cred- credibility as number one Omega Red Sam uh, if I did not put him on my team. Oh, as the bruiser. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty fucking sick character. <laughs> yeah. I can see why you'd want to switch, make that switch. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, look, and it's just so funny because, uh, like Omega Red again is another character who has been through, been through a lot, and I, to me, has always been a bit misunderstood. He's someone who, um, you know, was created for all the wrong reasons. Uh, but in his heart of hearts is doing, you know, he's just doing what he's told and doing what he believes for the most part is right. Um, and, uh, but also too, like the, the, the dude is, he's got, uh, an incredible power set, uh, between the, you know, adamantium coils and, and, you know, his, his mutant, his mutant ability. Uh, he is someone who, you know, when you can never really count him down and out. Because uh, all he really needs is to to just get get a bit of touch on someone and get get some of that life essence, and he's he's back in the fight. Uh, and uh, we've seen him do a. I mean, it was a, it was mercenary ish work, but for more good than bad. Like he was on an X Force team for a while, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, which was a ton of fun. Um. And, you know, he's shown, he's shown he, he can be a team player. Uh, I think that really just sort of comes, comes down to where his, uh, you know, obviously his origins kind of lie, but, you know, in following directions and things like that. But he's someone who, you know, you can definitely stand behind uh, or, you know, next to and the other team or whoever, whoever you're up against are going to be like, oh, oh, shit. I I don't know where this comes from in my head, but for, obviously for just years of reading X Men comics, like I, I have like a like a deeply ingrained horror or fear of Omega Red. Like when I see him show up on a page, or see like a you know a, just a part of a panel that has the the coils laying on the ground, and you realize who it's going to be, I'm like, oh shit! Mm-hmm. Like that, it it it's almost like a horror movie type feel that gets to me every time I see him show up. So yeah. the idea of him going out and being being the guy out cracking heads is pretty sweet. Yeah, and like like a lot of kids, I sort of got my start on the character back in the day when he showed up in Marvel vs. Street Fighter, and yep. just seeing the guy, just seeing the guy, like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? I've never <laughs> I've never seen him in a 
in a in a in a comic book, but he's kind of perfect for it. He's kind of perfect for the whole thing. Yeah, his powers are like 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 uh, Charles said with the with the coils. Once his coils show up, you know shit's going down. You know someone's gonna get fucked. And you know, there's just something super appealing with how he looks with the with the long blonde hair, with the fucking pale white skin, with the with oh, the demon smile. To me, that it's is scary. one of it's one of Jim Lee's best designs. Um, and like he's designed a lot of great looking X-Men costumes, but, um, you know, I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for some of the villain designs and things that he's done. And Omega Red is, is top, one of the top of the list for me. Yeah. It's a, it's a great design. Absolutely classic. Just terrifying. All right. Uh, moving on here. Let's do, let's do your flyer, your, your aerial support, your aerial superiority, perhaps we'll see who it is. Archangel. Not like, and so if I, if I can pick. A, a version uh, it would be Archangel um, in like like early Archangel um, oh. because that is a that's a guy who um, again is when when pushed to when pushed to the limit you're gonna see you're gonna see how how strong and what what this dude is willing to to give up uh, to to get the job done um i think it's he's it's he's kind of got that one-two punch he can he can go really really fast like he can be really fast and he's he's strong enough to to carry some of the other members of the team even if they're just he's dangling them from their arms or whatever uh because to me i think that's that's uh an important characteristic especially whenever you know as i mean you guys know as longtime comics fans uh someone falling from a ledge or uh, you know, someone needing to get from one place to another. Like he's kind of, he can also kind of work as a teleport. Uh, but I see like him, you know, I see like Maverick falling off a ledge or getting blasted off a ledge or something, and Archangel just going in for the swoop to, you know, to save him. That's super handy. And he can use his metal wings, cover up. Like it's, you know, it's great. Um, uh, it's great cover. Uh, so to me, I think he's. He's one of the the best flyers, but all, but in his Archangel form. I don't know if Angel by himself. Yeah, I think plus that's, also Archangel. He, he's seen some shit. No, that's that's yeah. one of the interesting. Like you got an original X Man, who, I mean, it's kind of cool. But it seemed like when he went through those changes with with Apocalypse, it, it improved the character greatly. Like it it made him deeper. It made him more interesting. Um, and and by adding that darkness to him, it just totally changed who who you were seeing on the page and it made him to me one a much a much more interesting character yeah i mean as far as horsemen go angel archangel is probably the best one and you know there's been a lot of cool horsemen we talked about in the previous episode how how in in one of the rick remender uh, x-force stories mm-hmm. where apocalypse has a pretty cool you know roster of, of of horsemen like the guy like the drummer who makes people hungry like or the the geisha that that sort of Unleashes the plague when she opens her mouth, like stuff like that. But you know, at the end of the day, when you think of a horseman, you think of Archangel. He's sort of the guy. For me, he's the guy. I mean, story-wise, I'm not sure how it works, but for me, when I think of Apocalypse and his ties to X-Men, I think of Archangel. That's Mm -hmm. like his. For me, that's like his baby. So just having that connection makes, for me, makes the character so much more compelling and more interesting, and how important he is in the larger sort of scheme of things. That, that brings us to, I guess, to your telepath then. Yep. Uh, Hope Summers. Ooh. Okay, okay. Another, another, I think, um, uh, 
underutilized, but potentially, I mean, look, we've seen what she can do. Uh, you know, she's kind of a ticking time bomb, but, you know, she is someone who, uh, again, like she's seen some shit, right? Like, yeah. that, they, like the, the whole Messiah saga is probably one of my favorite crossover <laughs> storyline things um uh of all time and i know it gets a lot of shit for being fairly recent or whatever but to me i mean everything about that was just so spot on involved the entire x-men you know universe and hope was at at the center of it um and i like you know I, I liked what they they did with her after that um uh you know with with the other lights you know those those new mutants that have all have been forgotten basically but I mean, hope hope comes from a you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, mutant royalty basically, and yeah. um, you know, and so to me, she is someone you know, again, like with kind of the other people on my team, I think she she plays she she would play well uh, with Maverick just because you know, growing up with Cable and kind of living that you know, sort of militaristic kind of lifestyle. Um, I think you know they they would get along uh, really really well. I think she would get really personable, uh, personal and personable with Nightcrawler, obviously. And I think you know a lot of the uh, you know and again I think she she plays well with Archangel. I think the only one that she she kind of doesn't wouldn't necessarily mesh with, but I can kind of see like a uh, let's see who's stronger kind of thing going on with Omega Red. Um, but but Hope's no joke, and you know you get her. You get her out there, and she's she's good for for a number of things. So uh, yeah, so she's she's my telepath. All right. So, so I, I think that Hope is one of those characters. I agree a hundred percent with your idea that whole the whole Messiah saga. I just recently read through that. I think um, a week or two ago, and and I was just looking at the depth of it and how far they went to set things up for I don't know how many years. I, I read the whole thing in the course of a week, so I don't know how many years of actual paper comic. <laughs> But I just I appreciated so much where they went with it and the twists and turns. But I, I, I love the that relationship with Cable and Hope and and getting the idea that she, you know, you look at her and she's just just looks like an innocent teenage kid, but she's a like you said, she's seen some shit and she's able to handle pretty much anything. Yeah. And she like she is an an omega level mutant. And so like yeah. like that's that's a big that's a big, big deal. And I tried to only have one i think every like every good team i think needs to have at least one omega level mutant but at the same time like i don't want to like i didn't want to overpower my team um so to me like hope felt like a a good um a good anchor for for that stuff here's the crazy thing right like she she's most commonly you know sort of known and, and used as a as a telepath right um but she could easily double as a bruiser if you needed her uh, if you needed her to, oh, yeah. Um, and so, so yeah. So I think she's uh, she was a good good one to round out that team. All right, and that uh, that brings us to your final pick here, your wild card. And we've had a <laughs> had a kind of a good time listening to how people interpret this. We uh, we left it pretty pretty vague, so it's been fun. Like I, I picked Cipher for mine, um, just thinking like, all right, what's I because I had kind of like an overpowered team, as you you said, you kind of wanted to have one charles and i were talking about like who who would you have to, who would these guys even have to fight for it to even be a fair fight <laughs> uh, 
And then, <laughs> and then I thought like, well, what's the one thing that I, what's one thing that's totally missing here? And I thought like, dude, if you have Cypher on your team, you know, you can, you can do anything. And then Charles, Charles went with Sabretooth as the idea. Like if you had to just have somebody go into the field and just kill everybody without remorse, that's who he wants. Um, so we've, we've kind of had people like interpret it differently. So yeah, I'm, I'm really curious uh, where you landed with your wildcard pick. I know, I know I mentioned one to you guys when we started, but I'm totally making a change on the fly now that I've talked through like my team a bit. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm even more excited about this one. And it's going to be, <laughs> I need someone who's going to be at home base, right? And, and I need someone who's smart for all, for our, you know, looking at my team, I've got a pretty dumb team. And so I need, <laughs> I need brains. And so the brains of my team and, and someone who's got experience is going to be Dr. Nemesis. Oh, that's, that's great. That's a great choice. Yeah. Dr. And, Nemesis and is, is someone who I have, I have loved for, for years. And, uh, like I said, I think he, he's wicked smart scientist right so like if someone is someone's injured or is coming back like he's going to be the one to heal everyone up because the thing i also do like you don't really have a healer hope maybe could uh omega red can you know can heal himself uh but you know that's really about it um nemesis is going to be the one he's going to outfit the team with cool tech probably get him a, a cool uh some cool train like mobile base of operations you know not the blackbird but something cooler probably uh he's yeah that's that's your guy and and also intermittently remind everybody else how dumb they are (laughs) (laughs) and that's it he works he works the best when he is surrounded you know by idiots not that my team are idiots but uh he'll he'll make sure that uh, everyone thinks that they are for sure I love some of his uh, interactions with with Emma Frost during the oh, the time on Utopia. But their their back and forth was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, a... Out of all everyone's picks up for um, the wild card, this might be my favorite because <laughs> because it's not something because it's, you know, it's truly wild. Because <laughs> everyone yeah, else, it's like, it's like holy shit, yeah that. that that's a wild card. No, that's a fucking wild card choice, Doctor Nemesis. <laughs> Just in terms of the popularity of the character, and you know, I mean, a lot of these characters are very popular, are very mainstream, so to speak. But when you bring in Doctor Nemesis, you're kind of like, whoa, what a deep yeah. cut. Yeah, that is deep, and that's even he's. If anyone was going to be any less known than Cipher, it was going to be Doctor Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so, so James. I want to, go ahead. Before we go, I wanted to, I wanted to ask James. Um, uh, are there any other characters that you sort of wanted to 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 put in this team? Like, what are what 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 characters gave you like a big dilemma on who to pick? Um, I I really like uh, Blindfold, and she was she was someone who um, I wasn't really sure where she would have felt, I and mean, she probably would have been my telepath. Um, but I clearly overthought the whole team dynamic of it and I wouldn't, <laughs> she wasn't necessarily going to, she wouldn't have fit in. Um, and, and another, there's another mutant that's, that, that, that came up as a potential bruiser for me, um, who, who I just, I really, really liked. And that was a uh, marrow. Um, oh, but, shit. Uh, yeah, but then like, you know, that's a, Another character who you know hasn't gotten a ton of respect. She's she's popped back recently here or there, 
but as someone who, you know, she, she kind of, you know, kind of crazy and she'll, she'll go out there and, mm-hmm. and do what, uh, what she needs to do. And then the, the, the third, my, the third one that uh, was, didn't meet the cut, uh, but came to my mind when you said I could include villains, uh, would have been Bastion, but Bastion is too much of a villain to, I think, uh, ever play, <laughs> be on a team yeah. of mutants. Right. So. Kind of hard. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a hard sell. <laughs> uh, last one, last question, James. Are you a fan of Cyclops? I love Cyclops. I don't. Yeah. He, he he gets he gets a ton of hate, man. And uh, he is just has always been doing what he thought is right. Uh, and yes. I think you know when you when you look overall at the things that he has done outside of maybe some of the Avengers versus X Men uh, stuff. Um, is to me Cyclops is best when he is teetering on the edge of like, is he going to snap kind of thing? To me, Cyclops is like John Cena, right? Where uh, <laughs> he, you know, he's just he's the he's a consummate good guy, and like you, everyone always wants him to turn heel, uh, but if you get a heel Cyclops, it just never works. Uh, right. And so to me, like a lot of that, um, you know. Bendis's run with Cyclops a bit was a bit too healy for me and didn't really click. Um, I like what Hickman is doing right now where he's, he's, he's not necessarily a heel. He's way more authoritative than I think he's ever been. And I think people um, kind of think that's him being a dick, but I think it's more, he is being emboldened to um, protect his family in a way that he hasn't been able to before. Uh, yeah. so, I, and I agree. Like uh, we, it was funny. I, Charles is asking because the last two people we talked to hate Cyclops, um, and and I he's my favorite, and he has been forever. Um, and we just talked on our, our podcast last week about how um, one of my favorite moments was him somewhere in somewhere around that Messiah complex time um, was Xavier coming to help him, and he basically tells Xavier to piss off. He's like, "Look, you raised me to be a leader. If you want me to lead, get out of my way." And I love that, that mentality and that idea. And that's that, that characterization of him really hit home for me as to like who he should be, as opposed to the, you know, what we've, some of these other missteps we've seen and certainly what he's been in the films. All right. So we have Adam from third and nerd, uh, keeping up the international flavor. we got Charles in the Philippines and Adam in Australia. Adam, uh, say hi to everybody and tell them where they can find you on, on the internet and on Twitter. Hey, doing folks. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Howzito. And you can spell it H-O-W-S-I-T-O. Um, you'll also find me as one third of the podcast Third and Nerd, uh, as Charles just mentioned. Um, and you can find that on uh, all the, the podcasting uh, sites around the internet, iTunes and whatnot. And that's pretty much it. Adam, uh, I've been on Adam's show a couple times. Uh, and later on, we'll also have Josh, who's another part of that. Uh, another part of that podcast and they're they're good guys and we are happy to have them on with us today um so adam let's let's get the ball rolling here who did you choose as your uh, field leader for your team of x-men heading up the group i chose havoc oh good pick i wanted to go for someone who was uh you know had had a little bit of leadership potential but wasn't wasn't the norm the nom de plume kind of leader and because um He's had a bit of experience before with the Star Jammers, and Cap picked him for the Uncanny Avengers. I thought, yes, this is a nice little choice, and he doesn't uh, doesn't pack the 
full-on Boy Scout mentality of his brother Scott, which can oftentimes annoy the living hell out of me. <laughs> this is twice we've had uh, the the last our last interview with Caleb. He does he does not he is not a big Cyclops fan either. Ah, uh, he just he's, he's always drained me ever, ever since I, ever since the cartoon. I think I think that's where it started for me. <laughs> it's understandable. Even though he's mm-hmm. my favorite X Man of all time, I, I know why I get why people are uh, on the on the other side of the argument. <laughs> uh, no, and I Havoc is a great choice. Havoc is definitely so. so Charles Charles took uh, Jamie Madrox, and and I think like just this different this uh, different idea of leadership. And Havoc is uh, he's had he's had his experiences, but you're right. He's definitely he'll make a he'll make a tough call there. He has no problems yeah. doing that. That's right, you know, and like he's. He's a character that's been around for a long time, and you know he's also an alpha level mutant. So he's packing a punch. You know what I mean? He's 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 got leadership qualities, but he's also got like you know the firepower behind him too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as having as reading Havoc stories go, I mean, I totally love how he just you know shines in the forefront during that whole Vulcan ordeal where you know he's forced to face off with a brother he didn't know existed. 10 minutes ago mm-hmm. and you know it's such a fantastic show off and a fantastic build up from deadly genesis to um that whole thing in the the rise and fall of the shiar empire where you know he's forced to hang out with his dad and take down his evil brother who's enslaving a a, a nation of aliens so i i like that how you know he sort of in many ways outshines scott in that whole ordeal it's kind of weird to me how scott doesn't actually do any much during that arc where you'd think that the eldest brother would have you know a lot of stay in this ordeal but you know havoc is the guy who stepped up and yeah and he sort of takes the reins in in uncanny avengers and you know he that's when you know that someone is a pretty fantastic leader when when cap taps you for for leadership you know you've got it covered yes sir exactly exactly all right so uh next up let's go I don't know if we ever go in order necessarily, but let's go with whoever your your uh, mobility or your, your either your transportation or your teleporter. All right. So initially, I was going to go with magic, um, but I didn't. I I uh, <laughs> through some research, I come across a character that I hadn't I hadn't even remembered existed. Like, and this is a character that I, f- I first was uh, exposed to, like back. Oh, I want to say the late 80s when I first started reading X-Men books. And that was um, during uh, uh, Chris Claremont's uh, run on the Uncanny X-Men. Um, and this character, his name is Gateway. And yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a different choice, right? It's a different choice. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, he's an unconventional X-Men character he hasn't hasn't had a, a you know a heap of exposure in the books um and to you know most people who are familiar with the, i guess the films and the cartoon they wouldn't even have a clue who he is but um what also got him over the line for me besides you know being you know a very powerful um uh, uh character per se is the fact that he's an indigenous australian character and i thought that was pretty unique and that that hit obviously hit a chord for me um and you know i remembered back to those books uh his introduction his introduction was uh via um the reavers and uh they were using him uh sort of in, in as a slave 
to help teleport uh, them around. And um, that was my first introduction to the X-Men books, like I said. So, you know, doing my research for this, uh, and it's popped up, and I was just like, oh, man, I completely forgot about that. So, yeah, it was kind of cool, and that, that's why I, I picked him. That that run, that or that chunk of Claremont's run with the Reavers, I think, like, if all people know of the Reavers are the are the guys in the in the Logan movie, um, the the Reavers like all I mean they came as close as anybody to like destroying the X Men right like they were uh, they were a very powerful group of enemies and and that introduction of Gateway in there was awesome and and I just that, like as you're talking about it now I think back to reading it as a kid and they were pretty they were pretty scary and they were pretty badass yeah they were they were like, and like you know those characters were. Um, like to me, like you said, they were badass. And like around that time, also, like I was, I was pretty heavy into like GI Joe books. So the, the kind of equivalent character in in that in Larry Hammer's books was like uh, the Dreadnoughts. And I think yeah. that kind of bikey kind of like punk kind of element sort of appealed to me because they were kind of off kilter as well. Um, but like like you just said, Charles, like if people should definitely check check out the Reavers and check out that run because it's pretty underrated. I think it I think it ran from like issue uh, I want to say 229 to 245 off the top of my head or something like that. Um, but yeah, good books. They're good books. Does does uh, Gateway have a connection to the other Gateway guy manifold? Is there like a connection between the two? Because I know their powers just are very, very similar, and if I'm not mistaken, um, Manifold is also um, an, an Aborigine in Australia. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, they they were both um, both introduced around the same time from from memory. Um, just let me. I'm pretty sure. Yours, oh no, he actually interesting. I'm just jumping on the internet quickly. So Manifold or Eden Eden. Thesi, as is also known, um, he first appeared in Secret Warriors uh, Fall, so he he came later. Wow. Yeah, oh, he, well. came, he must must have come later. Yeah, and I don't know about like Charles to, to answer that. I don't know if they're related, but I know that I've I've seen them together. Like I have art in my head. I don't even know who drew it, but I've seen the two of them together with Gateway as like an older, you know, the older guy in Manifold, um, kind of the young the younger dude, kind of hanging out on a and in my head, I just have them standing together on a rock out in the middle of nowhere. It might be even in space, but they've definitely worked together if they aren't related. Yeah, I, think, I think Manifold's like he's uh, like he's apprentice kind of thing, or, so, or something along those lines. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. All right, so so we've got uh, we're on now to let's go with your bruiser. Who is your pick for your for your guy to go in and knock some heads? It's a tough one. Um, initially, I was going to go with Colossus, but I. I was just like, ah, it's a bit generic. And so I went Warpath. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I once again, you know, I had to do a bit of thinking about it because I was just like, you know, in full disclosure here, you know, the, the X-Men books have never been my, uh, like, my soup de jour, I guess, when it comes to comics. Like, I've read them, you know, on and off over the years, but um, – I'm more of a street level character guy. And, and so, you know, when you guys asked me to do this, I, I really had to sort of, you know, uh, put my thinking cap on. So, um, which was cool. Uh, Cause I enjoy this sort of stuff. So yeah, I chose Warpath. 
and like I said, initially Colossus was the first person to sort of enter, uh, first mutant to enter my, my head. And strength-wise, they're pretty much on par. Um, you know, you'd probably say the Warpath probably one of the most, uh, the, the strongest mutants around. Um, you know, he's seven foot two. He can fly. Um, he's, he's he's quite a capable character. Uh, yeah. I, I read I read this uh, this bit where it said he once clapped his hands. Um, so hard that in the air pressure produced brought down a sentinel and i was like man <laughs> how often do you hear that you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, that's the guy you send like charles said to knock some fucking hands out yeah <laughs> exactly that essentially was his role in in that whole thing with havoc and book and like warpath was part of the team he got to do some big league a-list stuff and you know face off with some heavy hitters in space and yeah, he's he's a fucking he's a tank. That's that's the kind of guy you want to to send in the first just to fucking destroy shit. <laughs> I I loved so when I when I was a kid, um, so my my grandma was a Native American um, on my mom's side. She had like one she was one quarter Native American, and for whatever reason, when I was a kid, this whole thing like really it really was struck such a chord to me and seeing. Uh, Thunderbird and Warpath in the comics, like, and I just loved them. I absolutely love those characters. Oh my goodness! So, what do you have next? Um, the Flyer. Yeah, look, this one, this one, I was like, was the last one, last category I filled, and it was wasn't one I was really looking forward to, but like, I, I went with Storm. Um, yeah, not bad. Like, yeah, simply because, like, obviously she can fly, but you know, I also thought. She's a seasoned vet in terms of uh, the X Men. Um, she's obviously, you know, omni powerful presence, and you know, she, she could fill that sort of two IC leadership role if need be as well. Um, right so yeah, that, that's why I picked her. I, don't, I didn't really have much more to put on, on in the criteria than that. So I was just like, "Yep, I'm happy with that." <laughs> I think it. I think it's fun because we've left it we've left it fairly vague and open-ended, but everybody that we've talked to, including ourselves had like additional criteria that we added to, to why we pick the people we pick. Like when I didn't, and you said storm could be like, your could be second in command. Right. Well, when I picked yeah. Namor, when I was picking my bruiser and I picked Namor, I thought like that, that's so hard to have him on your team. Right. Cause he doesn't want to be a team player. And I, and when we were talking, I told Charles, I was like, well, I put him on the team because the only person, that he's ever been been happy playing second fiddle to was Scott. Like for whatever reason, he and Scott had an understanding, and he followed Scott for the most part. He he did what he was asked when when Scott was in charge. So um, if I had had a different leader, I couldn't imagine even having Namor on the team. Yeah, it's funny you should bring him up too because I I almost I had him con- under consideration as well, but I thought oh, he's more Atlantean than he is mutant. But you know he is people do consider him a mutant. And I, I, I had him down as a brawler as well, but I, I, I relented and backed out on that one. <laughs> well, I mean, Storm's a pretty fucking sick choice because, you know, speaking of firepower, I mean, if you want some, someone to, like, fucking destroy a fucking compound or even, like, a like an entire base, that's why you have Storm because she does it with ease and she doesn't, need, doesn't even need to actually infiltrate whatever that base is. She just needs to fly outside and... And someone the storms, and you know everyone's fucked. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that, that's the thing. Like, you know, 
it's an easy pick, but and I guess you know she's probably one of the more popular and generic sort of characters. Like, but she makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, there's no denying her capability. Um, and I also think, like, despite the fact she's an emotional character at times, I think she probably has that sort of level-headed sort of even keelness to her as well in her personality trait. So I, I thought that was a good fit because you, you got to sort of have balance as well, I think, when you're doing these sort of things. Next up would be, oh, where do we left? Well, I guess you're adopting your, your telepath at the, or no, your tele, yeah, your telepath at this point. Oh. Did your teleporter, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm for the telepath. And for this category, I picked none other than Psylocke. Ooh, that's the first time we've had Psylocke. Mm. Um, she's a character that, uh, you know, has always sort of, um, one that I've always sort of appreciated. Um, she is obviously a telepath, but she also has um, telekinesis powers on lock as well. Um, so, you know, she's got double combo in that sense. Um, and she is a ninja. And who doesn't love ninjas? I love ninjas. Ninjas are awesome. Um, so that was a no-brainer there. And she's hot. And you need a hottie. You need a hottie in the group. <laughs> and, you know, and she, and she wields the psychic katana. Like, you know, come on now. Like, I, I don't need to really sort of say much more. <laughs> she's ticked all the boxes. <laughs> She's an uh, uh, awesome, just a, one of the more fascinating characters, like her story, her history, everything that's gone on with her. Um, she was definitely on my list for, for telepaths until I decided I wanted like a really twisted evil dude on my team. Um, but she's she is just a, a really, really solid choice because she brings more, like you said, than just being able to like link the team telepathically. She can also kill at will and silently. And she is just just an absolute superstar. Mm. Plus, yeah. I think every, every team has to have at least one guy, one character capable of doing some stealth missions. And like you said, like Adam said, Psylocke is a ninja and she's got that fucking stealth shit covered. And, you know, she's got that, you know, that's those side blades, those cool looking purple blades in her, in her, in her fist. So, I mean, she's, she's badass. And like, like Adam says, she's hot. She's, she's, <laughs> she's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> and she was actually a model, I think, in, in the early stages of her, like, character arc. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I think when she, around the, when she was introduced in Captain Britain or whatever it was. So, you know, like, she's, 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 she's working on all levels. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that brings us to your wild card. And, and I think it's, it's kind of fun, like, the different ways that people have interpreted this. Um, so, yeah, who's, the, who's that sixth spot? Who fills the wild card role for you? All right, so it's a character. I'm interested to know if anyone else has picked him. Um, It's a character that I think is is pretty cool and uh, probably deserves more shine than he's gotten in his sort of in his infancy. But the the character's name is Phantomex. Yeah. Oh wow, that's a pretty sick pick. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question, nobody has picked him. He was. I had a coin flip for my uh, wild card, and it was between Phantom X and Cypher. So I'd, I'd like to hear why you chose him, because I, I want to know how it lines up with the reasons I wanted to choose him. All right. So um, there's a few. He's, like, he's probably in, in, the, in the recent sort of, you know, um, mutant sort of characters that have come out in the last 10 years or so. He's probably, like, one of my favorites. Um, and 
I don't know a great deal about him, but it was a character that I just was drawn to despite firstly by his look. And then once I got to know a little bit about him, his powers is pretty unique. Um, you know, so for those listening who might not know, he uh, sort of has uh, the power of misdirection and illusion um, at his disposal. Uh, he's also an expert marksman. Um, he is extremely intelligent um, and has like an ability, to, he's had the ability to self-heal. Um, but going deeper than that, uh, he has an external nervous system, um, which he can link to um, and utilize during combat or whatever. Um, and he and the external uh, nervous system's name EVA or Eva, and he, he can take take control of her movement um, and sort of dumbing it down a little bit. She can form. Um, the uh, the shape of like um, of an aircraft, like a UFO kind of thing, uh, for him to travel around in, which is kind of weird, but it works. Um, and yeah, it's it, 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 like a biomechanical sort of uh, being, I guess. Um, and yeah, he's just he's just a cool looking character. Um, he had a relationship with Psylocke at one point, so that factored into my decision making also. Um, and because I'd also gone down like culturally kind of diverse kind of sort of without really even trying kind of just happened that way with like having an indigenous, indigenous Australian character and Native American, African, Storm, and um, so on. I thought, yeah. well, he, he's European. So I thought that works as well. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I just thought he'd be a cool like kind of X factor kind of character. And, and Charles... Uh, you touched on something before about um, Psylocke being like a stealth kind of character. He kind of has that at his disposal as well, um, you know, and, you know, sort of black ops kind of style of uh, thinking. You could pair those two together and send them out on, on be on their merry way to fuck shit up. Yeah, they were both on, they were on X-Force uh, together for a while and, and that he, he, uh, He's a fascinating character. Like he's a little bit gambit. He's a little bit, um, a little bit wolver. He's like a, a human sentinel hybrid, is what he is, right? He's not even a mutant, but he's just got so many different cool things going on. And and you got like some backup transportation now, in case somebody takes out your teleporter, he can fly him around in his little weird ass UFO. And and it's uh yeah, he is he is such a such a crazy off the off the charts character. I love him. Love it. Mm. You know, he, his origins of his character, like, stemming from um, originally, like, an Italian character. Um, uh, like the names escape me right now, like, Diabolics or something like that. I, mean, I can't remember yeah. what it is. Uh, the etymology of the character from there was something that also interested me. Like, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't just your typical sort of Marvel character. He, he sort of stemmed, like, from a branch of, of, of a whole other realm of, of reading. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna say like as far as wild cards go, I mean, Phantom X is a pretty he's a loose cannon, and he kind of fits the bill of what a wild card is supposed to be. He's the guy you can't predict. He's the guy that's that makes you wonder why he why 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 is he fucking part of the team? Do we want to hang out with this guy? He's fucking crazy, and you know, he fits the bill perfectly. He's a very well-rounded character. He's got marksmanship. He's 
he's, he's sort of like in many ways sort of like a Bond type espionage character so you got that stealth component going on and you got the you got even a bit of like the sort of a telepath power going on because he can you know project illusions on, on people's minds and like Charles said you got the sort of transportation thing going on because he has that all he has all those gadgets he has that cool ship and he's everything you want in a teammate that can provide anything accurate very accurate man so adam give us a, a once one time uh roll through the whole list together for us please so we got havoc as the leader and then we had uh gateway uh as a teleporter yeah. uh warpath as my brawler uh storm as the flyer and then i had psylocke as the telepath and uh-huh. phantom as my wild company it's a pretty badass team i'm happy with it <laughs> <laughs> that team could go out and do some damage for sure and next up our, our friend from twitter task task the old nerdy bastard so Dazzler and the Exiles is going to be the, it will be the name of my team. And basically one thing that I like is that um, with the X-Men books now, they're taking old X-Men terms and rehashing them and redoing them in different ways. For example, the Marauders are a pirate, a group of pirates. There's the Hellions, they're a group of villains. And, and like they also tried the Fallen yeah. Angels so on mm-hmm. and so forth so uh one of my favorite and most slept on team names was the exiles and so uh dazzler and the exiles is the team and that's the name of her band and they're going uh, traveling around the world um helping mutants out who need help spreading the good word of Gen- of uh, uh Krakoa, and playing music and doing tours and um Dazzler is of course the leader and for and I did something different once again so for each team member I have there's also an instrument that they play okay <laughs> you put for someone who have flight so I have siren oh, nice and so, so I was I'm wondering as you're talking about her having a band where this is going to go right and so now siren what a great mm-hmm. choice what a great choice expectation I have blink blink does the booking for those of you who don't know, Blink is uh, probably the best teleporter in the in, of all the mutants. Maybe next to um, uh, Ileana, um, Magic, but Blink is up there too. It also goes well. Yeah, also goes well with the Exiles name because she was yep. with the Exiles. Blink, Blink is, is the guitarist. Sorry, Blink is probably <laughs> the most the most well associated name in my head with the Exiles. She had to be there, and I. This kind of made sense. Um, so Blink is the one that that transports. She could just bring it all. <laughs> yeah, she handles that part. She's also the guitarist. I have Monette Saint Croix, who is the bruiser on the team. Um, a lot. Um, I think that she could be used. I think that you know this is a very. This is pretty much an all girl. So it's gonna be. It would be very girl powerish, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. that fits that tone. And her and Siren go way back. They were on X Factor for years. So yeah, I thought that would be a good mess mixed with the team. So we have what? Okay, we have Dazzler the leader. Transportation is Blink. Flight is Siren. Bruiser is M, who plays bass. Now this is where I had to start digging because <laughs> once again, I don't the typical team members that everyone does. Right. So for Telepath, I chose Nocturne. Now do we remember Nocturne? Mm. Oh. That Nocturne to me, 
I'm trying to place where the last time I would have even seen Nocturne. That one's, oh, what's the last book that you remember Nocturne being in? Uh, that's a good one. No, and I, I can tell you nobody has picked Nocturne so far. Nocturne, for those who don't know, she's alternate world where she is the daughter of Nightcrawler. So she has a combination of their powers. She has very limited telepathy, which goes into your telepath part. She can also possess people and she throws hex bolts. She was stuck in six for very and she started you know, teleporting and traveling more with Blink. But for the most part, she's kind of been forgotten. And I, what I like about Nocturne being a very punk, she had a very punk look to her. And she has very much what they've turned um, Spider-Gwen into, like the kind of punk rock girl that played the drums. That's pretty much what Nocturne was as well. And so she will be the drummer on the team. And we mentioned a wild card for the team. So my wild card would be the team security. And that would be Mero. Nice. This is like the second time we've heard of Mero today. Um and I just oh, think someone else used Mero? I don't think I don't think that they got put on the I team, like but they Mero. talked about how how they yeah. want it was like a an honorable mention. And it, I I we Charles and I both think Mero is such a cool character. Um but we didn't we didn't know how many people would throw it out there. So I love that Mero's getting some more play. That's awesome. I'm a big fan of Mero. I I miss when X when mutants had like body deformed. Um, I think that a lot of the newer mutants are too pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and I I like the idea that I like Mero being on the team. We we're we're almost a punk rock girl band. You can't have a punk rock girl mutant girl band without Mero. <laughs> <laughs> So I would have Meryl. She's the security on the team. So she makes sure nothing goes too crazy. And she's the wild card on the team. She's the one that gets drunk and jumps into the crowd. And she's the hype man almost so much. So, uh, yeah, that's my all-girl Lady Exiles. You, you better by Gail Simone. write this or trademark this right now because someone's going <laughs> to listen to this and that's going to be a comic book in six months. This team, like as you're going through it and I'm thinking about just the just the, the kind of like how different each one of them are and how cool this book could be, especially I, I like how you you really buried it right in the, the the modern run here that these are these are people that are out and, and going and like as a gesture of goodwill kind of going around and spreading the word. I, I love it and just the how fun of a book it could be. Thank you. And yeah, and you know like it's a way of them saying, hey, we're mutants, but we don't hate you all. Like, spreading the good word of Genosha. Like, look, we're... It's like when a, a, a band from across the seas comes and tours in America. Like, yeah, we're not from here, but look, we're all cool. We're just making music, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> so that would be... That was my plan. Things like that. <clears throat> you can also tie it into other things that are going on in the book, like... They can meet up with the Marauders somewhere while on tour and so on and so forth. I think that this would be a good addition <clears throat> to what's going on right now. That would be a, that would be a great book. And you do have you do have M there to uh, to play the serious role because you do have a lot of fun loving members of your team. And M can always uh, can be the bad cop to everybody else's good cop. Well, me M to me always was like the mean girls. <laughs> <laughs> of the mutants, her and Ileana, and I would need one more, and they are the mean girls. 
of yeah. the mutant them. And um, we have the fun that we have Dazzler, who's the leader, who she's led before numerous times. Um, we have Nocturne, who's the young spry one. We have we have um, Blink, who is. She's the most heroic out of all of them. And she's like questioning what, what she's doing. She's like, I used to travel and save galaxies. Now I'm <laughs> in a, a band. Like she's the one that questions herself the most. And she's the one that's always getting into like, we got to save these people. We got to go do this. And the team kind of gets mad at her because they're like, we're here to play music. We're not here to play X-Men. We're not the X-Men. <laughs> And Blink is like, but I was an X-Man. I was this and that and this and that. And so the, I have that with her. Then M is like the serious one out of all of them. Siren's like the mother of the group. She's like, can we all just get along? Let's all do this. Charles, do you want to you wanna see if we've got – I know you had a couple questions for some of the other guys. You got anything? Yeah, so um, during the process of picking all these, you know, these dope characters – did you have like trouble? You know, did you have like a dilemma on who to include um, on your team? Um, I think what I trouble with at first was I wanted them to be different, but not too different. I just said, but I wanted to have a team that that are at least recognizable and yet not used as much as well. We talked about Callisto last week when we were talking about some of our uh, maybe like our favorite kind of off-brand X-Men that not a lot of people might know, and I thought, like, how cool Callisto is. She showed up recently in Marauders, but once again, I'm that guy who reads so many comic books, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> there was this weird time when Callisto went through a second mutation. Had, like, a, her arms were funky. And her arms turned... Yeah, her arms were tentacles. And I was like, wait, what, what happened to that? <laughs> Now it's gone, right? She's back I to normal. No problem with it, because I hated the pentagon. Like, you know, I'm glad she's back, but you know, just things like that. Um, I also remember a slept on Excalibur book that the, the whole concept of Excalibur, the Excalibur book was Xavier and Magneto trying to rebuild Genosha, and they had mutants on their team, and there was a girl there whose whole entire her mutant power is she can control ghosts. I think her name was like Ghastly or Ghoul or something like that. I was thinking of using her. <laughs> There's just so many I could have used, but I was like, you know what? Nah, I'm gonna stick with this team. Oh, and that's a that's a sweet team. I remember that Excalibur book you're talking about. I never I never got myself through it. Like I, I read it a couple times, and I was like, man, this isn't what I what I had in mind when I was reading Excalibur. Exactly. Like, I think the name Excalibur, it has to be linked. You gotta have a Braddock in your Excalibur team. Like, it has to be one of them yeah. on there. That's Absolutely. another thing that people said that Marvel took for me. I said that I like Psylocke, but we gotta separate her from the age. <laughs> <laughs> the world doesn't want to find out that the whole concept of Psylocke is that she's a white woman inheriting an age. <laughs> I tell people all the time, I don't think people understand how many mutants there are that have nothing to do with X-Men. Right. Example, yeah, they get the they Great get like Lake Avengers very, are all mutants. Right. People get very close-minded with X-Men, which is why we're excited about this, because people people get like, you know, your Wolverine Storm Cyclops, Jean Grey, there's your mutants, right? That's a tip of X-Men. And you know, I always tell people when they do these teams, I'm like, at this point now. It's a, it's open. You can throw in 
who used to be a mutant. I mean, hell, um, Madam Web is a mutant. And then you have so many people in X-Men books who aren't mutants, like we talked about. <clears throat> Juggernaut and Phantom X, who were, you know, have been in X-Men books the whole time, and neither one of them are mutants, but they're so associated with with those books that they become a part of that that side of the mythology. It's funny that you brought that up, because the team I came up with before the XLs one was one called the Acolytes, and it consisted of X-Men members who are not mutants. So who, who's yeah. in that team? It was Juggernaut, Phantom X, Danger, Oh shit! Long shot, <laughs> and Doctor Nemesis. All right, I think that that does it. Yeah, that is now uh, that might be my favorite team, honestly. I want to thank all of our special guests for joining um, and and taking the time out to come on this show with us and have a little fun and as we continue our way through all this crazy business. Um, stuff like this is pretty cool, and I think we're gonna try to do something uh, via Twitter with you guys, where we're gonna have you guys send us pictures of who your team of X-Men would be um, and kind of see if we can make that a thing. So you can, we get that going on Twitter for a, a couple weeks here or something fun to do. Uh, we thank you guys for listening as always uh, take care of yourselves, stay healthy and keep on listening. Charles and I will be here week after week after week, as long as this thing goes on. So uh, this is Charles Murphy signing off. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Charles Murphy. You can find me on Twitter at CFS William Weber. All right, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye.